My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about the importance of humility in our lives. Having that quality where we don't try to promote ourselves or push ourselves forward or, you know, it just seems like uh, with all the social media, we live in a world that it's just like a lot of people are saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I, I'm not saying social media is bad at all. I think there's a lot of good things that can come out of that. But I think the danger is if we're not careful, it's almost like we're trying to get our own followers or to make a name for ourselves or basically to say to the world, hey, please, somebody notice me. I'm important. Whereas from a biblical perspective, we're not supposed to put the focus on ourselves. We're supposed to put the focus on the Lord. And I think about what John the Baptist said when he, he said, speaking of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. And so today we're going to be thinking about how we can be more humble. And I pray this will be a blessing to you. I want to talk to you today about humility. And the title of the sermon today is The Way of Humility, because I think one of the things that we would have noticed had we been with Jesus on the way to the cross is that he had about himself an attitude of complete and total humility. And we read about it in John chapter 13. Now, let's begin reading in verse number 3. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. They're celebrating the Passover meal. He's about to institute the Lord's Supper. And in, as this meal comes to an end, Jesus gets up and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, use your imagination. Think about had you been in that room and here comes Jesus to wash your feet. What would you have been thinking? Here the Son of God, the Messiah, is humbling himself so much that he's taken this basin of water, gotten down on his knees, and is washing your feet. Now, in verse number 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then in verse 14, he gives the reason why he did this. Not only to clean their feet, that was the first reason, a practical reason, but also a spiritual reason. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And so had we been Peter or Andrew, James or John, Nathaniel, one of those disciples, and we are experiencing the Messiah down on his knees washing our feet, I think in our mind we would have said to ourselves, humility must be very important to God. Humility is God's way. If Jesus would get out on his knees and serve us like this and then command us to serve one another, then God must put a high price tag on this whole idea of humility. Because in Bible times, you would never wash the feet of one of your peers, and you would certainly never wash the feet of an inferior. The people who would wash feet in Bible times were the servants. It was the lowest task that anyone could have. And so here Jesus is taking the form of a servant, and he's washing their feet. And so as I think about that, I think about three 
statements that I want to make today that I think are so easily applicable to our life. First of all, an attitude of humility begins in your mind. Whether, an, whether you have a prideful attitude or a humble attitude, it always begins in your mind. And Jesus had a humble attitude. Let me give you some scripture verses you might want to jot down. In the uh, Gospel of Mark, in chapter 10, in verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, you are to think like Jesus thinks. Jesus, when he was on this earth, thought of himself as a servant. He came to serve. And so we are to think just like that. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so the teaching of Scripture is if a person is proud and they think they're better than somebody else, or maybe they think they're better than everybody else, and they are exalting themselves, the Bible says one of these days God is going to bring that person down. Whereas if a person is humble and a person sees him or herself as a servant and looks for ways menial tasks, things that other people might not even think are important to help and to minister to others, God is going to exalt that person. And then one of the most frightening verses in the Bible, James chapter 4 and verse number 6, it simply says this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Let's say that together. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word resist literally means to stiff arm. And so when God sees someone who is a proudful person, a pride person, God stiff arms that person. And God says, you can only get so close to me because I hate pride. I can't stand pride. Pride is something where you're taking credit for your successes and you're telling others how you know, good you are and where you've been and who you've known and what you have purchased and where you live and what you drive and, and all these things that, that we can so easily fall into this trap. But when we humble ourselves, God says, I'm touched by that. Now, I've always thought, and you parents would have to tell me whether or not I'm right on this or not, but I've always thought that one of the biggest challenging in raising a child would be, on the one hand, to teach that child how special he is, how much she is loved, they're made in the image of God, and God has a plan for their life, so that that child grows up feeling secure and develops a healthy self-esteem and doesn't seek to find security in immoral relationships and drugs and alcoholism. So on the one hand, you've got to teach your kid those things. But at the same time, as that child gets older, trying to teach that child that life is not all about you. You don't always get your way. Things are not always fair. And so to me, it would seem as a parent that that would be a tough a tough balancing act there. You're special. You're made in the image of God. There's no one quite like you on the one hand. On the other hand, but now let's remember, life's not all about you. You don't always get everything you want. Well, I think in our lives, whether we're children or adults, we need to have a balance between a healthy self-esteem on the one hand and a touch of humility on the other, where we, we don't just act humble, but in our minds, we truly think of ourselves as we ought to think. As... I mean, if you think about, for, the, for, for example, as a human being, we are flawed, we are sinful, 
we're often wrong in our assessments of things. Many times we, we make mistakes and wrong judgments and we sin. And so it just reminds us, yes, we're made in the image of God. And that, that, there's my security right there. But I'm not God. And so I'll never be as perfect as God. Not till I get to heaven. Then I'll be without sin and so will you. But we need to have that attitude of humility in our heart that doesn't try to be all of that. I can remember when I was a freshman at Baylor, I was taking a religion class taught by a man named Dr. David Slover, who years ago pastored Memorial Baptist Church here in Pasadena and wound up at Baylor teaching in the School of Religion. And he was teaching us, here we are, a group of freshmen, most of us preparing to be preachers. And he said, now class, I want to say something to you. He said, you've surrendered your life to the ministry you're learning how to preach, and you're getting invitations now to go out and preach in some of these small country churches. And he said, out in these country churches, you're going to find that there always be a few little old ladies that tell you you're the next Billy Graham. And I thought, yes, I've heard that a couple times myself. And he said, I want to just assure you today that you're not. You're not the next Billy Graham. He said, they told me the same thing, and they've been telling that to everybody. He said, the fact is, there'll never be another Billy Graham, and there shouldn't be, because God only made one of him. You're not the next anybody. You're the first you. But when people start telling you how wonderful you are, don't believe it. Keep your head and stay humble. And so we remind, we remind ourselves that an attitude of pride or humility begins in our mind in the way we think. And so if somebody pays you a compliment, you just say thank you, but let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't start ruminating on that, you get, you get in trouble. Second thought I have on, on this, at, this attitude, and I'm having to deal with pride and humility together, and that is this, an attitude of pride or humility expresses itself in our relationship to God. In other words, if you're a proud person, that's going to be expressed, for example, in your prayer life. Now, turn back to Luke, just a few pages back, Luke chapter 18. And Jesus told a story about a, pride, a proud man and a humble man. And he told this story to make a tremendous point. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so this Pharisee is just thanking God. Lord, I thank you that I'm so much better than everybody else. Look at all these sins I don't commit. God, I thank you that I'm holy enough to fast twice a week. I'm always faithful in my tithe. God, thank you I'm so good. And then it says in verse 13, and the tax collector who in Bible times, many times they were dishonest. They cheated people out of large amounts of money and, and they were despised in their society. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now look in verse 14. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said, these two men who prayed, one of them wasn't really doing anything except bragging on himself. 
One of them was humbling himself, beating his chest, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, that second man, that tax collector who humbled himself, he is the one who went home justified. This Pharisee, he just went home. But he didn't go home saved. He didn't go home forgiven because he didn't think he needed to be forgiven of anything. He thought he was so much better than anybody else that God must certainly be pleased with him. And so what I'm saying is, if you are a proud person, that's going to come out in your relationship with God. And if you're a humble person, it'll come out that way too. Not only in your prayers, but in your service of God. In other words, if you're a, a, a humble person, you're going to realize that you're not God's gift to wherever it is you work. Sometimes we think, well, you know, this, this institution, whether it's a school or a CPA firm or a law office or a school or a church, sometimes we might get thinking, well, you know, these people are sure blessed and fortunate to have me around because I'm so good and I have such wisdom and such insight. They'd really be in a mess if I weren't here. Well, that's, that's, that's a prideful attitude. And that's wrong. And pride, have you noticed when you have an attitude like that, eventually something's going to happen and you're going to get humbled. I heard about a lady who went to see her pastor. She said, Pastor, I need to confess a sin to you. He said, Ma'am, what is it? She said, It's a sin of pride. He said, Well, how's it manifesting itself? She said, Pastor, Every Sunday morning I come to church, I sit out in the sanctuary, I, I start looking around at all the other ladies in the room, how they fix their hair, how they dress, and so on. And she said, Pastor, during the whole service, I just sit there thinking to myself, I am the most beautiful woman in this entire room, and I'm here to con confess this sin of pride. Pastor said, ma'am, that's not pride. She said, it's not? What is it? He said, that's just wrong. You're not the most beautiful person in this room. I'm up there too. I have a better view of the women than you do, and I can assure you, you're not the prettiest lady out there. But the point is, when we get all high and mighty, we're better than somebody else. We're better looking. We're smarter. We're more intelligent. You know, we're, we're contributing more to the institution than everybody. That's pride. And whether it's through a pastor or somebody else, God is eventually going to humble you. I had this experience last week. Two men had made an appointment with me on Thursday, and they came in my office. And one of the men had never, never, evidently never been in the church office area. And when he got to my office, he said, John, he said, you got a nice office. He said, but your name is not on your office door. Have you ever noticed that? He said, when I was walking in here, I noticed that everybody else has their name on their door, but yours just says associate pastor. It doesn't have your name. And he said, the only other person like that is your dad right across the way. All his says is pastor. And I got thinking about that. You know what I thought about? I thought about when Tom Landry was coaching the Dallas Cowboys. And he, you know, players have lockers and they have their names on top of the lockers. Coach Landry always wrote the players' names in chalk to remind them that their name could be erased very quickly. And I thought, I don't even have any chalk above my office door. I don't have anything. And it kind of bothered me. And so later on, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, have you ever noticed that we don't have our names on our offices? What do you think? He said, don't you remember the conversation we had six years ago when we moved in these buildings? I said, I don't guess so. He said, well, we, we talked about it. And we both decided that we are grateful to be working at First Baptist. We're grateful for these offices they've built. We're grateful to serve on this staff. But we, we decided intentionally on our two offices not to put our names on the office door to remind us that these are not our offices. These offices belong to the church. I said, Dad, I don't think, I think that was your decision. I don't ever remember us talking about it. 
<laughs> he said, no, that was our decision. And I've thought about it through the weekend, and I do remember that, that, of course. And he's right. And so that's not a big thing. Now I'm up here bragging on our humility, right? I'm losing it. I'm becoming prideful. Brag. See, this is the danger. You become aware of your humility, and then it's gone. But the point is, we sometimes need some reminders like that. to rem- Now, it's not wrong to have your name on your office door. I'm not saying that. But it is wrong if you start thinking, this is my office. This is my church. This is my school. This is my job. I mean, I own this whole factory. This is my plant. No, you're just passing through. My dad and I fully realize that we are not God's gift to First Baptist Church. The fact is, First Baptist Church is God's gift to us. That's how we feel. And it's true for you wherever you work. I'm not saying you're not a blessing at your employers. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying don't get to thinking you're God's gift to them. Look at it the other way. They're God's gift to you. Hey, God gave you a job. And so when you go to work tomorrow, go with a humble attitude that says, I don't want to be high and mighty. I just, I, I just want to remember that I am humble and I want to be humble because that's how God would have me to be. That's how Jesus would have me to think. So what I'm saying is an attitude of pride or humility expresses itself in your relationship with God. And not only that, and this is logical and this is what we see in this passage, an attitude of pride or humility can be seen in how we treat others. If you're a proud person, more than likely you're going to use people to get what you want. Sometimes a proud person will see another person or meet another person, and the proud person will think to himself, if I could get to know him, then he might could introduce me to her. And then if I could get to know her, she might could open a door for me to meet him. And so if, and, and this can happen to any of us, and it probably has at times happened to all of us. But if we're not careful... We can become prideful and we can think, okay, I'm using people to help me climb the ladder or make connections or, you know, in our world today, a lot of times we call it networking. And there's not anything wrong with networking as long as you're not using networking to advance yourself. Maybe you're using network to advance your business. That'd be fine. But if you're trying to advance yourself, that would be, that would be pride. See, you're exalting yourself. And the Bible says God's going to bring you down. So what you want to do is humble yourself so that God can lift you up. Now, look back in verse number 5. I want us to read this verse again. And then I want us to read through verse 10 a conversation that Jesus had with Simon Peter as he's in this upper room washing the disciples' feet. Verse 5, after that, Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And so he was saying, Peter, you're saved. Spiritually speaking, you're clean, but Judas isn't clean. Not all of you are clean. Judas has never been saved. He's dirty. Now notice in verse 10, do you see the uh, verb there, the word there, bathed, the word bathed. And then back in verse 5, you see the word basin. So Jesus is talking about a bath and a basin. 
Now, in Bible times, they had public bathhouses. And so people would go to this bathhouse. They would take a shower. They would take a bath. They would dry off, put some clothes on, put their sandals on, and then they would walk home. And as they were walking home on those dusty roads, their feet would get dirty. And so when they would get home, either they would have to wash their feet or somebody, a servant maybe, would wash their feet. And so Jesus was saying to Peter, the same thing is true in the spiritual life. When you were saved, you received a spiritual bath. You were washed. You were cleansed. The punishment for your sins was removed from you. But as you go through life, even as a Christian, sometimes you pick up some dirt along the way. Sometimes you pick up some mud throughout the course of a day or a week, and you need to have your feet washed. And so Jesus was saying, Peter, you're clean. You've had that spiritual bath. You've been saved, but you've got some dirt on your feet, and I'm going to wash those and clean them up for you. And that, that's just ha- that happened, and that, that happens to all of us. And so Jesus was humbling himself, and he was teaching this great lesson that we all have to have a spiritual bath in order to go to heaven, got to be saved. But also, we need a daily cleansing because our feet can pick up these traveling stains. And so if, if we have an attitude of humility, it will express itself in how we treat others. For one thing, if we're humble, when we're interacting with others, we're going to be more concerned about them than we are about us. We are. It says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 that we are to esteem others better than ourselves. So it makes us stop and think, when I'm having lunch with somebody or in a conversation with somebody on the phone, am I talking more about me and what I've done and what I've experienced? And, or am I talking about how are you doing? What's going on in your life? It's not all about us. And it's certainly, we would never want to brag on ourselves. It says in Proverbs 27 too, this is a good verse. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Say that with me. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. So be very careful when you go out there telling what you've accomplished, where you've been, who you know, and what you've done. Because the Bible says that's pride. And again, we've probably all been guilty of that, but... We just need a reminder today that God doesn't like that. God wants us to be humble. God wants us to think of others more than we think about ourselves. I was home yesterday. I, I, I got the best illustration for this. I could have read 100 sermon illustration books and never gotten anything this good. A lady from our church, uh, I was on the phone with her, and she said, John, I want you to pray for my husband. She said he's been sick for about a week now and been, to the, been taking some antibiotics and some medicine, but she said this morning at 1 in the morning, she said, I had to take him to the emergency room because I was afraid. I didn't know what, what his problem is. He just doubled over in pain. And so she said, I took him to the ER. He didn't even want to go, but I f- talked him into going, drove him down there, got him in the ER. They start taking blood work, running tests, doing all that they do. And if you've ever been to an emergency room, you know it is, it is a slow process. And so after they had done some of their work and they were just sitting there waiting to hear back from the doctors, the husband and wife were just in their room together. It's probably 3, 3 30 in the morning. They were very sleepy, and they just both kind of began to drift off in their chair, kind of going to sleep, naturally. Well, the husband looked over at his, he kind of woke up and looked over at his wife, and he noticed that she was just really out. And he said to her, he put his hand on her shoulder, and he said to her, he said, listen, I feel so badly that you are not getting to sleep tonight. He said, you've had a busy week at work, and we've got a busy weekend He said, I just feel horrible that you're missing a night's sleep up here trying to help me. He said, why don't you just go home? Just take the car and go home. I'm going to probably be here two or three more hours. Whenever I get the results, 
I'll call you and tell you what's happening. If they admit me to the hospital, I'll tell you where they're taking me. And he said, if they release me, I'm going to, I thought this was the most humble thing. He said, I'm going to just get Uber to take me home. You talk about, I, when I heard that, I thought, what an incredible husband to say that to his wife. And I got to thinking, you know, if I'd have been that man in that similar situation, I, I put myself in that shoe. I thought, I, can, I could see myself just saying something like that, trying to be nice. I can assure you I would not have meant it at all. I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say, hey, you just going home and you get some rest. I'd be thinking, stay here and hold my hand on me while I die. Don't leave me alone. Stay with me. But see, he was doing what? He was esteeming his wife more than he was esteeming himself. He was putting her needs above his own needs. And I think when we think about humility, that's all a part of, remember, the world doesn't orbit around you. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today. But if you have never humbled yourself by asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and make you a Christian, I would encourage you to do that today. It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. He'll change your life, and He'll begin to fulfill His purpose and plan for you. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great rest of the day.